Chapter Three of Opening a Chestnut Burr by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Three: Morbid Brooding. To the millions who are suffering in mind or body, there certainly come in this world moments of repose when pain ceases and the respite seems so delicious in contrast that it may well suggest the rest that remaineth thinking of neither the past nor the future gregory for a little time gave himself up to the sense of present and luxurious comfort with closed eyes and mind almost as quiet as his motionless body he let the moments pass feeling dimly that he would ask no better heaven than the eternal continuance of this painless half-dreaming lethargy he was soon aroused however by a knocking at the door and a middle-aged servant placed before him a tempting plate of albert biscuit and a glass of homemade currant wine of indefinite age the quaint and dainty little lunch caught his appetite as exactly as if manna had fallen adapted to his need but it soon stimulated him out of his condition of partial non-existence with returning consciousness of the necessity of living and acting came the strong desire to spend as much of his vacation as possible in his old home and he determined to avail himself of Mr. Walton's invitation to the utmost limit that etiquette would permit. His awakened mind gave but little thought to his entertainers, and he did not anticipate much pleasure from their society. He was satisfied that they were refined, cultivated people with whom he could be as much at ease as would be possible in any companionship, but he hoped and proposed to spend the most of his time alone in wandering amid old scenes and brooding over the past. The morbid mind is ever full of unnatural contradictions, and he found a melancholy pleasure in shutting his eyes to the future and recalling the time when he had been happy and hopeful. In his egotism he found more that interested him in his past and vanished self than in the surrounding world. Evil and ill health had so enfeebled his body, narrowed his mind, and blurred the future, that his best solace seemed a vain and sentimental recalling of the crude yet comparatively happy period of childhood. This is sorry progress. A man must indeed have lived radically wrong when he looks backward for the best of his life. Ray heard Mr. Walton was looking forward. Gregory's habit of self-pleasing, of acting according to his mood, was too deeply seated to permit even the thought of returning the hospitality he hoped to enjoy by a cordial effort on his part to prove himself an agreeable guest. Polite he ever would be, for he had the instincts and training of a gentleman in society's interpretation of the word but he had lost the power to feel a generous solicitude for the feelings and happiness of others. Indeed, he rather took a cynical pleasure in discovering defects in the character of those around him, and in learning that their seeming enjoyment of life was but hollow and partial. Conscious of being evil himself, he liked to think others were not much better, or would not be if tempted. Therefore, with a gloomy skepticism, he questioned all the seeming happiness and goodness he saw, it is either unreal or untried he was wont to say bitterly about seven o'clock hannah the waitress again appeared saying supper is ready but the ladies beg you will not come down unless you feel able i can bring up your tea if you wish thinking first and only of self he at once decided not to go down he felt sufficiently rested and revived but was in no mood for commonplace talk to comparative strangers his cosy chair, glowing fire, and listless ease were much better than noisy children, inquisitive ladies, and the unconscious reproach of Mr. Walton's face, as he would look in vain for the lineaments of his lost friend. Therefore he said suavely, Please say to the ladies that I am so weary that I should make but a dull companion, 
and so for their sakes as well as my own had better not leave my room this evening it is the perfection of art and selfishness to make it appear as if you were thinking only of others this was the design of walter's polite message soon a bit of tender steak a roast potato tea and toast were smoking appetizingly beside him and he congratulated himself that he had escaped the bore of company for one evening notwithstanding his misanthropy and cherished desolation the supper was so inviting that he was tempted to partake of it heartily then encasing himself in his ample dressing-gown he placed his slippered feet on the fender before a cheery fire lighted a choice havana and proceeded to be miserable after the fashion that indulged misery often affects hannah quietly removed the tea-tray and mr walton came up and courteously inquired if there was anything that would add to his guest's comfort after a few hours of rest and quiet i hope i shall be able to make a better return for your hospitality gregory rejoined with equal politeness oh do not feel under any obligation to exert yourself said kind mr walton in order to derive full benefit from your vacation you must simply rest and follow your moods this view of the case suited gregory exactly and the prospect of a visit at his old home grew still more inviting when he was left alone he gave himself up wholly to the memories of the past at first it was with a pleasurable pain that he recalled his former life with an imagination naturally strong he lived it all over again from the date of his first recollections in the curling flames and glowing coals on the hearth a panorama passed before him he saw a joyous child a light-hearted boy and a sanguine youth with the shifting and familiar scenery of well-remembered experience time softened the pictures and the harsh rough outlines which exist in every truthful portraiture of life were lost in the haze of distance the gentle but steady light of mother love and through her a pale half-recognized reflection of the love of god illumined all those years and his father's strong quiet affection made a background anything but dark he had been naturally what is termed a very good boy full of generous impulses there had been no lack of ordinary waywardness or of the faults of youth but they showed a tendency to yield readily to the correcting influence of love good influences however are not principles and may give way to stronger impulses of evil if the influences of his early home had alone followed him he would not now be moodily recalling the past as the exiled convict might watch the shores of his native land recede and then as in his prolonged reverie the fire burned low and the ruddy coals turned to ashes the past faded into distance and his present life dull and leaden rose before him and from regretful memories that were not wholly painful he passed to that bitterness of feeling which ever comes when hope is giving place to despair the fire flickered out and died his head drooped lower and lower while the brooding frown upon his brow darkened almost into a scowl outwardly he made a sad picture for a young man in the prime of life but to him who looks at the attitude of the soul what but unutterable love kept him from appearing absolutely revolting suddenly like light breaking into a vault a few notes of prelude were struck upon the piano in the parlor below and a sweet voice softened by distance sung rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee how often he had heard the familiar words and music in that safe home they seemed to crown and complete all the memories of the place but they reminded him more clearly than ever before 
had its most inseparable associations, were holy, hopeful, and suggestive of a faith that he seemed to have lost as utterly as if it had been a gem dropped into the ocean. He had lived in foreign lands, far from his birthplace, but the purpose to return ever dwelt pleasurably in his mind. But how could he cross the gulf that yawned between him and the faith of his childhood? Was there really anything beyond that gulf save what the credulous imagination had created? Instinctively he felt that there was, for he was honest enough with himself to remember that his skepticism was the result of an evil life and the influence of an unbelieving world, rather than the outcome of patient investigation. The wish was father to the thought. Yet sweet, unfaltering, and clear as the voice of faith ever should be, the hymn went forward in the room below, his memory supplying the well-known words that were lost from remoteness. When my eyelids close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown. Oh, when, he exclaimed bitterly, what shall be my experience then? If I continue to fail in health as I have of late, I shall know cursedly soon. That must be Miss Walton singing, though she does not realize it. To me this is almost as cruel mockery as if an angel sang at the gates of hell. The music ceased, and the monotone of one reading followed. Family prayers as of old, he muttered. How everything conspires today to bring my home life back again. And yet there is a fatal lack of something that is harder to endure than the absence of my own kindred and vanished youth. I doubt whether I can stay here long after all. Will not the mocking fable of Tantalus be repeated constantly, as I see others drinking daily at a fountain, which, though apparently so near, is ever beyond my reach? Shivering with the chill of the night and the deeper chill at heart, he retired to troubled sleep. End of chapter 3